Now it's only right that I start this podcast off with the first St. Lunatic song that I heard, that I heard on the radio back in the day when I was younger. I was nine years old when this record came out, and I used to hear this song on the radio, and I used to rap every word of Nelly verse. He was like the third verse. So it's only right that I started off with this and at Nelly verse. Block Respected Podcast. Give me what you got, Fly Perspective Podcast. You heard me, damn it. I was nine years old when that song came out back in 1997. And um, it's a very weird thing to be recording this podcast with everything that's been going on with the St. Lunatics. And it, it strikes me because it was like, the, this is like the first representation of my city with music. Back in the day, I used to have all the cash money, all the Puff Daddy uh, you know, Bad Boys uh, 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 albums, everything you can name that was popping in. But then when Nelly came out, bro, and he was from my city, it was a whole different story. So, uh, let's see, where do I start? Because it's a lot to unpack within the, the, the events that, you know, how they transpire from point A to point B with uh, Nelly and Ali breaking down what's really going on and what they got going. So I'm going to start it right about here. I recorded this a few days ago. So let me set the scene. So this morning when I was at work, I got on my phone and I start seeing stuff on social media about this Nelly interview. And I was like, Nelly interview? So it's buzzing. So long story is like, man, I was I immediately thought like, bro, is he on here talking about like things going on with Dirty NT, with, you know, the lunatics or what? So sure enough, so I go to the interview, uh, you know, preface, uh, you know, before you watch it, you might be able to find it on Facebook if you just search um, Nelly interview. Uh, I forget what the guy's name did at the interview, but I think it was like What Up Radio or something like that. But by the way, the interviewer was trash, you know, uh, that was like a really bad example of journalism because he was in a position to, you know, get the whole story, you know, and he's cutting Nelly off he's yelling at Nelly and now I will say it did sound like they knew each other previously like I do remember the dude saying something like uh oh yeah you know I've been to your house plenty of times so I'm guessing Nelly really knows the guy which you know but in that scene you got to take a step back my guy and understand that you're doing something for a platform but anyway uh so Nelly goes on there he's talking about this and that he's letting the cat out the bag man about uh just what's been going on with the St. Lunatics for like these past couple of years. Like everybody in St. Louis would know like their rumblings of things happen going on, you know, with, with uh, St. Louis Lunatics because you would like, 
you would see Nelly with all of them. Then you would see him with just Ali. And then you would see, like, they would unfollow each other on social media or, you know, that type of thing. So you would just see little things. And then people would, you know, make their own speculations. Oh, man, you know, well, Murphy Lee probably don't mess with him because, uh, you know, he didn't put him out. But then Nelly on the interview basically just went in on all the things that were stated. He was saying basically that... Um, Murphy Lee didn't come out with a second album after going platinum because Ali was the president of Dirty NT and he wanted to put out his own album. So basically Nelly was saying like he didn't have anything to do with anything when it came to Murphy Lee. Now he did say he fell out with Murph due to the fact that Murphy Lee's little brother was writing diss songs about him uh, when he was beefing with another guy in, this, in our city, St. Louis, named Loose Cannon. I remember that time, because it was a crazy period to see that, too. Now, he was saying he was expecting the guy to apologize to him because of the situation, because he was using Nelly's studio, sleeping in Nelly's studio, etc. I understood that. Basically, in, in the interview that Nelly did, I took from it that Ali blocked a lot of things, Ali stopped a lot of things, and... Uh, Nelly said verbatim that over the years they would always have to cater towards Ali. I'm not finna say nothing negative about Ali. Like, I remember seeing a video years ago where he actually showed up to somebody's house that was, like, talking shit about him or something on the internet, and the dude told him to pull up. He actually pulled up at this dude's house, like, with tactical gloves on, like, on, with a, and recorded a video, like, nigga, I'm outside your house. Like, so, yeah, I'm not going there when it comes to Ali. I will say the live I just saw from Ali... It was sad uh, on IG. He just went on there and just basically I, I, what I took from it was that when the smoke clears, there will be fire, you know, and it seemed like he's had time to sit back and reflect on a lot of stuff or even little stuff that might have pissed him off uh, that had to do with Nelly. It had to do with their situation from the past 20 years. I mean, stuff like character flaws that he was trying to like hint to with Nelly. Like he ended, he talked about on his live like oh yeah i remember one time years ago we were talking and and uh i had uh, if uh, we had a question that if you had any wish what would it be and nelly chose for uh his wish would be that nobody have no more wishes and then he start going in about that like basically trying to say like this is the type of dude nelly is and it was just like I mean, but what does that have to do with what we got going on now and the fact that you coming out 20 years later after you have been on the road doing your thing? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you even hint to that you made $500,000 on a tour. You know what I'm saying? You made $500,000 on one tour. You brought that home? You know, it's like, well, what is it now? Because, I mean, I, honestly, I've only seen Nelly on tour with Ali mainly for the past I don't know how many years Ali was with him right on stage. Now, I don't know the chronological order because, you know, they got to talking about in the Nelly interview about the last shows, this and that, blah, 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 and how, you know, the reunion show that they did here in St. Louis. So I don't know the exact date. I just know I would always see pictures or videos or highlights online, and Ali would be with Nelly overseas, wherever they was at, you know, whatever. So I don't know, man. It's just... Um, it's just sad to see it, you know, especially being a situation from the history standpoint that, you know, Ali was they OG. Ali was all of they OGs, and he was an artist as well, and also trying to do management and stuff like that. And, like, you know, you trust this guy even when you're younger, you know what I'm saying? You trust this guy when you're younger, and it's kind of like as things go on and time go on, things just go south with dealing with this guy.
And then on the other hand, you got Ali. I'm sure he's feeling like he's done so much, contributed so much to the Nelly and the St. Lunatics brand, and he's feeling like he's not being properly compensated for things or being respected. Uh, like I remember a portion of the interview, he, he said, not the interview, but the, the live, he said he had ran into Fat Man Scoop and how Fat Man Scoop didn't recognize him or something or didn't know that he rapped or it was something like that. And he was like, well, I want to, you know, he said something along the lines like, I want to be known. Like, I want people to know me for, for what I did and how he wrote 70% of the Country Grammar album and this and that. And it's like, my my dude, you've been in the music business for the, like, past 20 years like you know how many people have written stuff for artists and and uh made beats for artists and not properly been compensated or or they are getting compensated and they don't ever say anything just because hey that's how it goes and on his end i'm guessing he's feeling not like he's not being compensated but it's like referring back to the nelly interview nelly basically saying like dude ain't got his paperwork together if, if i don't have nothing to do with if you don't own your own publishing to records or your own writer's credits to records you know I, I believe nelly said something on the lines like uh dude uh, on one, one occasion dude didn't want to uh put his name down for the rights or whatever because of who owned his publishing like he didn't want them to get you know i don't know it's just like nelly and ali it's crazy it definitely is crazy i mean i doubt we hear anything from the rest of the group you know I don't think so, because they ain't said nothing thus far. And Kiwan and Murph always been like, you know, just cool and always on to the to the next thing. Not really, you know, saying too much, just staying out the way, but still doing them. You know, Kiwan and, and Murph, they always been that way. You know what I'm saying? So it's just sad. It really is. It's sad. Then on the other hand, you got a situation like, well, shit, was all of them like actually cool? You know what I'm saying? Or was it a thing like, I'm going to be cool. We all going to be cool because we know we can benefit off one another. Because I'm not going to stunt. It seemed like on the outside looking in, observing everything from both interviews, it seems like, you know, once the checks start rolling in, it looks like with Ali, he's starting to kind of go off the hinges about things. I'm going to just, you know, keep it like that because it's like. In the later years, you would just see Ali all the time with Nelly. Then on some other stuff, like with, with the what happened with the Ali interview, you know, he even talks about like how Nelly hurt his feelings when they did the verses and he wouldn't let him uh, help him with the song, the the song list, like the playlist for the verses. You know, they got into it about that. And he said, you know, yeah, he hurt my feelings. And it was kind of like, well, that's like personal, man. Like, you probably should have talked to him about that, I guess. Like, y'all supposed to be brothers. Y'all not brothers enough to talk about, you know, small, petty stuff like that. You know, in my opinion, you know, that's small. That's small. It just seemed like it's crazy when we see in so many situations where when when it comes to fame and money and how it breaks up, you know, friendships and bonds that you, people that you have for years. You know, because at this point, it's like after everything is being stated on both sides, in my opinion, just to sum it up, it's like, man, friendship is friendship and business is business, you know. And it sounds like in this whole situation with the St. Lunatics, nobody had their business together. Now, just speaking from the Nelly, you know, standpoint of it, you know, what I'm saying, you know, none of them had their publishing situation right. Now, if I, uh, rewind to the interview where... Uh, they said a company D2 was taking a hundred percent of their publishing, and they never went and got it together. So that would mean 
Murphy Lee went platinum and he didn't really make no money because D2 had 100% of his publishing. You know, like I said, I, Murphy Lee has not came out with anything that says that's right or wrong or whatever, but I'm guessing that's to the last of Nelly's knowledge. So it's like, yeah, you know, even with Ali, he, you know, they owned his publishing. So I don't know. Crazy situation with that D2 is the fact that when I was younger, I used to DJ at the skating rink and also had a rap group. And then uh, fast forward to they moved the studio, uh, D2 did, from the Saint Skating Rink to the Palace Skating Rink that I was DJing at. And uh, I had access to that studio. Like, they let me just go in there because they liked our music. So we had, like, a little situation, you know. So, yeah, we was in, like, this $50,000 studio in the back of a, a skating rink. And we would just be recording music and throwing parties for real. Like, we weren't really doing too much. We'd do some parties in there, though. I ain't gonna stunt. In that studio, I learned how to make beats. And I'm talking about, like, the old school way. Like, uh, it was like a, a computer, and then there was, like, a tower to the left, right? This tower on the left had, like, all these sounds, you know, like synthesizers and basses and whatever the hell, you know, to play some keys. And you had a keyboard with some sounds, so you had to, like, flick through this little board and try to figure out a sound and da-da-da-da, and all this went through Pro Tools, blah, 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 blah. Not like you making beats today where you just got everything on a laptop that all that you need and maybe a little keyboard uh in that studio i also uh was in a studio session with diamond from cry mob that was pretty dope uh she was recording a song with chingy's sister because chingy's sister was like signed to them i believe uh she was recording a song with her i also i recorded a session for this dude who sang like background and he like background dance with michael jackson no cap i did some of his studio work and he was like playing a guitar and shit and i was horrible at recording like i had just learned the basics about recording on like you know so i was in there he would be kind of frustrated because i wasn't fast and shit and i remember the owners would be like hey whatever he'd be all right this studio time free type shit <laughs> but yeah you know it was it was very dope when i was younger i remember going to the owners of d2 entertainment's uh house and uh, they had a studio in the basement. I remember seeing, like, the, the Nelly plaques and shit like that. And I was like, oh, man, you know, that's cold. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was mad young. But before that, I had met them. Initially, I was like, uh, I might have been in the eighth grade. And um, that's D2. And I ended up having a little situation with them where I recorded a song. Uh, yeah, I was like like 14, 13 years old. I recorded a song in a studio. Uh, called Lil Player, man. I have to find it, bro. Hey I, hey, I just thought about that. That's crazy. I recorded a song called Lil Player in their studio, and I remember thinking, like, man, these are people that found Nelly and this and that, and I was all excited about it because I'm like, well, shit, maybe they can get me a deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm like 13, you know what I'm saying? And I thought it was so dope that I was recording with the people who had discovered Nelly and the same lunatics. And, uh, but, you know, back to that, you know, that, that, uh, that 100% publishing, man, I didn't know they were signing niggas to deals <laughs> to take 100% of your publishing. Like, that's crazy. Fast forward in St. Louis history, they also had an artist by the name of Pretty Willie, a.k.a. P-Dub. He had the songs Roll With Me, uh, She Got a Man at Home, uh, Lay Your Body Down, uh, Four Walls. Like He had a bunch of dope songs, but he only had Roll With Me and like one other joint on uh, with, when he was with D2. But yeah, he even dropped a video, not gonna stunt 
front because it's the same company, blah, blah, blah. And he actually dropped a video stating, like, Nelly hated on who? And he kind of alleged that Nelly had hated on him back in the day when he had his record deal with D2 and Universal. So, I don't know. Uh, I say that to say it's been rumored over the years that Nelly was hating on certain artists and that's why they weren't getting put on and nobody was getting put on in the city of St. Louis. Now, I will say St. Louis artists and the situation is like some crabs in a barrel mentality because... It's like everybody be hating on everybody, man. Even they good, they they good, not whatever. Everybody just hate on everybody, and cats low key just be mad because they don't have a certain amount of status that the next person might have, or have a problem with how they got to it. You know what I mean? But that's neither here nor there. But over the years, people have stated like Nelly was just blocking people from getting record deals this this and that blah 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 blah. like it got to a point where years ago some cats ran up on Ali at the radio station not ran up they were talking on the phone and Ali told him where he was at blah blah but they came to the radio station with that smoke on some like you know what what artists y'all put out uh, you know, it's under y'all record label, and y'all not helping nobody in the city, and this and that. You know, and I think, in my opinion, that's pretty horrible. Like, you shouldn't run up on another man expecting him to give you a handout. You know what I'm saying? You got to work for your stuff. But, yeah, you know, this is the... I'm just letting you know the kind of... The, the mind frame of certain individuals in this city. You know, now, I will say, this video, I don't know, it might be a, a 10-year video, 10-year-old video. Now, y'all remember Slow Down. He was the member in the group that, uh, he was like the mascot. He was the guy that had the mask on. He would come with the energy, the hype man vibe. You feel me? Uh, he got out of the group. This might have been almost 10 years ago, 8 years ago, something like that. And there's an interview from Nelly that's online where he talks about the Slow Down situation. And he was basically saying, like, yo, he was a liability. Like, he was just costing money. Which I understand that. We move on to Kiwan. Kiwan has always had his own business hustle about him. You know, the You See Me brand with merch and all that. As well as uh, him and Murphy Lee came out with a liquor. Like I told you guys before, they always been on some on the next type of shit. You feel me? So they came out with some liquor. Um, they came out with, uh, they opened a vape shop uh, in the county, I want to say. I never went to it, but I saw the advertisement online. So, yeah, Kiwan, Murph, they've been doing their thing. And then we move on to City Spud. So, City Spud was uh, locked up the whole entire time of uh, basically, like, the blow-up situation of Nelly and the St. Lunatics. I remember seeing an interview with Nelly. I want to say it was on MTV uh, uh, like hot, uh, or you are, uh, what is that shit? TRL or whatever. Uh, one of them people, man. I remember seeing a uni- uh, interview where he was like, they brought up City because I want to say they said, like, uh, why the album was named Free City. And then he was like, oh, yeah, City because he's spoiled locked up, but he got we got everything, you know, together for him. So when he come home, I was like, damn, that's dope, you know, because I always used to sing his part on Ride with me, man. I remember in the video. He wasn't even in the video because he was locked up, but they held him down in the video, you know. So uh, when he got out of jail, you know, things were kind of at a, like a like a decrease for the the lunatics. Like things weren't really popping too hard like that, like that, you know, like making albums and nothing like that. So you know, they was torn still. They always was torn. That was dope. And I remember seeing um, them bringing Jaquan and. Uh, Chingy on tour. Uh, 
Yeah, so it was like it was dope because I remember seeing that man. I always thought like dog, like back in hindsight, like it was back everybody in their heyday. Uh, they brought Huey on on a show, rest in peace, Huey. But back with uh, everybody in their heyday, man, if it was like Nelly and the St. Lunatics with Huey and Chingy and Jaquan, like that would have been tough. That would have been really tough. Definitely tough for St. Louis. You know, they all went on tour, or even they all put on a show. You know, that was like larger than life. But uh, I remember uh, when City Spud got out, I might have been like. Uh, 17 and uh, 17, 18 maybe something like that I know I was driving for sure I always had a car but anyway I might have been like 17 or 18 and I remember being at the Galleria Mall and I was at Jimmy's it was a store called Jimmy's in there man and if I'm lying I'm flying um, my homeboy String was with me and we was in Jimmy's we got some clothes and I remember City Spud had walked in or he was in there when we walked in there whatever the case was it was right when he got out of jail he was with a white chick you know I don't know if that was his manager or whatever the hell he's with her like you know he had some people with him and shit or whatever so I'm chilling and my boy was like yo why Spud looking at you and I'm like I don't know like I look over he was looking at me so I remember I was like well shit maybe you remember me from like DJing or something like that because I was like DJing everywhere and I was like DJing for this group called the Bangers you know they had a record deal with Atlantic Records you know they had a song called Run Up Get Done Up or whatever so I was like uh somehow I ended up walking up to him or introducing myself and I was just like yo uh hey you know what up bro like you know on some like connecting type shit like you know and I remember being like uh uh, I want to send you some beats or whatever happened or whatever. And uh, and I remember, like, saying something about me DJing for the bangers or whatever. And he was like, uh, I mean, yeah, but they ain't, they ain't going nowhere. And I was just like, well, well damn, dude. Like, <laughs> like, all right. And it was just kind of like, well, all right, cool. But I didn't think about it like nothing back then. Like, I was just like, well, all right, you know. And uh, fast forward to a situation where... I was at a nightclub, man, probably about eight years ago, and uh, and I'm 32 now. So it might be like almost, it might have been 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I might have been 22. Yeah, I might have been 22. Like so, it might be like 10 years ago. I remember Jermaine Dupree was at the club. I forget whatever. Uh, yeah, what what was going down? I just remember Jermaine Dupree was at the club. You know, whatever. Long story short, uh, I'm in the club and. I'm chilling, you know what I'm saying, and uh, uh, let me let me make it quick, cause I'm trying to get everything concise. Long story short, uh, leaving out whatever my homeboy Chubbs, he he knew these you know some chicks or whatever. So we walking with the little chicks, walking to their car, and then uh, City kind of walks behind us, and he's like, you know, kind of with the shit, like oh some something about these being his sisters or whatever, and then the chicks are just like, oh yeah, well we know them, da da da, whatever. And I just remember, you know, we had some words, you know, and I don't remember what exactly it was for real. I just remember we kind of had some words, and I just didn't turn my back. So then as I'm walking to the car, <laughs> you know, my boy, he going his way, I'm going my way. My car might have been, I don't know, 50 yards from where the actual entrance of the club, but to the left, I'm walking. Of course, I had that oil on me, so my defense was down. I hear like, yo, I turn to the side. Bow, you know what I'm saying? I get stole on. You know anybody know when you get stole on, you don't know you get stole on till you kinda come to. So I kinda turned around and I, you know, seen the posture and I'm like, damn, it's fucking city spud and stole on me, bro. 
And then he had a bodyguard by that. I know this was a dude who yanked my arm. And uh, shit, I yanked from his ass and I ran up the damn street. And I was just like, well, what the fuck was that about, bro? <laughs> like, like, what the hell? So, yeah, you know, and I remember thinking, like, damn, man, I always sing his part on ride with me, bro. Like, like, what the fuck, bro? But to sum up this whole St. Lunatics and Nelly thing, it's sad to see them going back and forth because, man, I was in, like, what, the, I don't know, seventh grade when um, Country Grammar came out, something like that. And I remember uh, seeing, like, cars uh, backed up crazy in the city one day and come to find out they were shooting Nelly's video for, for that, uh, for country grammar. You know, I remember getting the album. I remember listening to it like, damn, it's the hardest shit ever. And he from St. Louis, you know what I'm saying? We was all happy. You know, I remember having a physical copy of that, you know, it was crazy. Cause right when he dropped, I had a best friend at the time that lived in Chesterfield, Missouri. And, uh, we were out at his house one time. They were like, oh, there go Nelly right there. He lived in our neighborhood. And he pulled out in a, it was a silver Hummer. He had a silver Hummer at the time. I want to say it was silver. Yeah, it was silver. And he pulled out. And I'm, I'm looking. I'm amazed. I'm like, damn, that's Nelly right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that shit was hard. But to sum it up, I think it's just sad to see what business does to friendship and does with uh, talent and making it a job and you know, because you working for income, you know what I'm saying? And that was one of the main thing Nelly's was saying was just the fact that, you know, a lot of this situation with them was costing him money. Like it cost him money to take them on the road, you know? And especially in situations that he feels a disconnect, you know what I'm saying? Within the group. So I definitely understand, man. I think it's just sad, you know, sad for me because Hey, that lunatic thing, that Nelly thing was tough, man. I remember we used to always talk about Murphy Lee, man. I remember he was like, hey, yeah, I'm Murphy Lee, the ashtray. I touch butts all day. Treat me like a toilet. You can sit on me. Like, let your knees touch it. You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, I ain't, we ain't never heard rhymes like that for real when I was young. And now Ali got an interview uh, with a hot Atlanta uh, station uh, Hot 107.9 and uh, where he was online talking about he's about to let it all out so we'll see what this interview you know entails I know he did leak uh, like a record of the contract of like the splits of publishing or something like that so I don't know man it's just sad to see this bro I ain't gonna lie to you it really is and it's just like I'm just thinking like man like why why now? That's the main question for me is just why now? Because you've been on the road with Nelly forever. When, when we ain't see nobody else, we saw you. And it's like now, you know. But it is what it is, man. Um, I guess I'm going to label this the rise and fall of Dirty ENT. And uh, you know where to reach me at tfpfeedback at gmail.com. tfpfeedback at gmail.com I am at Fly Sinatra F-L-Y-Y S-I-N-A-T-R-A and uh, yeah I changed my name from DJ SoFly so I'm not DJ SoFly anymore I'm Fly Sinatra alright y'all have a good one